On the KL Podcast, we talk about leading people. And most of the time, those people are salespeople. And some of you may think, well, that's not really me. But the truth is, if you need to influence people in order to get your job done, then you're a salesperson. That's right. Teachers, parents, politicians, well, they're all selling. So on today's KL Podcast, we talk about the art of influence and how you motivate people. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the KL Podcast. We are thrilled to be back with you today. Today, we're going to talk about influencing others. And um, uh, so for me, I'm, I'm drawing this information from, uh, from Daniel Pink and from a masterclass that, uh, that actually came as a gift from Josh's wife, which is incredible. Thank you, Kat Gamboa. The thing that I love about the art of persuasion is that, uh, is that I think that, that most people don't think of themselves as being actively engaged in trying to persuade others, except the truth is we are all actively engaged in trying to persuade others. And Daniel Pink says this at the very beginning of almost every presentation book or masterclass recording that he offers, we are all in sales. And sales is essentially persuasion. I mean, right. as parents, we're in sales, as yeah. business leaders, we're in sales, as salespeople, we're in sales. Everybody is constantly trying to push an idea or even a product forward. And it all comes down to your ability to persuade. So uh, how else, I mean, is there anything else we need to know about persuasion before we start jumping into this? Well, I think that, you know, it's worth mentioning that Daniel Pink has an entire book about this topic that's titled To Sell as Human which is a really, really good read. And, you know, the data says that only 11% of people in the United States actually make their money by being salespeople. So you've got this 89% of the people who don't actually have an occupation that's related to sales. I actually thought the number would be higher than that. I feel like everybody's a salesperson, but that probably goes to the point here. Um, But like Henry said, everyone is influencing. And I'll just go ahead and get this out there right now. There's no better example than there's like a new way to make money in 2021 by being an influencer. I mean, social media, social media influencers make money. They're essentially, they should just call them social media salespeople, right? They're just pitch people. Yeah. Yeah, Pitching pitching makeup. That's right. Anything. I mean, depending on what your passion is, you know, you can kind of open yourself up to the social media gods and let them know what it is that you're interested in. But, you know, nobody's smarter than TikTok and seeing what you spend, you know, a couple of seconds glancing at something. And they're like, oh, you like that? Okay, let me load up 79 (laughs) videos related to that topic. And, you know, here it is. It's like, oh, yeah, let me see what Bitcoin is. And then an hour later, you've watched a hundred cryptocurrency videos. And just like that, we're only a few moments into this recording and Tim has already gone on his social media <laughs> tangent. So yeah. congratulations, we've checked the box. Josh, if you were an influencer, what, what what product would you be out there pitching? What would be your go-to? Gosh, that's 
Man, that's so hard to say. <laughs> you know, I, I think it would be something music influenced, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, my, yeah, and it's so sporadic too. I couldn't well, like even... headphones. You, are you talking about like like headphones and 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 and? and... No, you know, it's funny. I, this, man, I'm pulling back. <laughs> I'm opening up the curtain way too much. But you know, my online guilty pleasure is probably like review videos of music or reaction videos where people are listening to music that they don't normally listen to. So. That's I've never probably, seen a reaction. I don't think I've ever seen a reaction. I never had either. And You're watching a video of somebody else responding to something like how right. they, okay. Yeah. In I watched one last night, Henry. I don't know how it got into my feed because I'm not really into this like Josh. It's probably because I know Josh. That's right. And they were like, ooh, we noticed that you're friends with this person. This is what right. he really likes. I mean, the whole <laughs> system's a lot smarter than we are. Let's face it. But I saw one last night that was um, a video of people watching that climactic scene in Game of Thrones, you know, where you'll have to help me out here. Is it the Josh, Red Wedding? Is it the Ice King gets killed? Oh, is that what okay. it is? Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was them watching that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Josh, is, Josh is immediately going to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. It's, exactly, it'll pop up. Do you know why you're going to go watch it, Josh? Because Tim is an influencer. And now That's you right. got to go see yeah. what it is he's talking about. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I'm just fascinated. I'm fascinated by seeing people listen to something that they don't normally listen to and their reaction to it. So that's generally what it is, right? It's somebody that's maybe a, you know, a hip hop head, and then they're listening to a Patsy Cline song for the first time and dissecting it. And I'm just, I don't know. It grabs me every time. Feel free to send videos of yourself listening to the KL podcast for the first time, and we'll post those reaction videos. <laughs> Ooh, everywhere yeah. everywhere on linkedin your favorite social media <laughs> site that's great okay so getting back to to influence so i'm i'm going to tell you guys a little bit about what i what i heard from daniel pink on this masterclass and then i want to hear what some of the things were that you guys heard but he talks about the the new abc's uh not always be closing he talks about attunement buoyancy and clarity are you guys familiar with this? Have you heard these three terms? I think you probably have, Tim. Very. Very, very. Okay. So attunement simply means if you, do you understand someone else's perspective and knowing where they come from uh, gives you the ability to better pitch to them. And the key here is listening. And he made a great point here because he talked about in, in school, we focus so much on knowing how to read, learning how to read. And then you focus so much on watching a professor, but they don't really talk to you much. They don't teach you how to listen. They talk to you, but they don't teach you how to listen. So this is a skill that you really have to focus on. And then buoyancy, I'm going to run through these quickly, but buoyancy is essentially being able to stay afloat in a sea of rejection. You know, selling or influencing is dealing with constant barrage of rejection and being able to stay above it and stay positive and keep moving forward. And then the last bit, clarity, is finding the signal and the noise. There's so much content out there, like all of these reaction videos that you guys like, you've got to be able to find the real signal and that noise of reaction video content. What's the one thing that really matters to you? And if you can figure that out for the person you're pitching to, then you have a better chance of actually landing that pitch. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I mean, clearly ABC got a lot of sales fame in Glen Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, I always stumble on that. But, you know, if anybody's ever seen the Alec Baldwin video 
of, you know, that's probably on TikTok, actually people <laughs> watching that video. Yeah. Um, so you can, you can actually watch the video or you can watch people watching the video, whichever you prefer. Uh, so a new but, world, you know, man. Alec Baldwin is this absolute predator, you know, in a thousand dollar suit wearing a Rolex and he is destroying these uh, salespeople at a real estate firm telling, uh, telling them that they need to always be closing. And, you know, it's a little cliche. It's what we think of salespeople in the sales industry. Um, but Daniel Pink kind of rewrites that. And the way that I always explain this, Henry, is, you know, attunement is how well you understand the way that people think and how well you can take perspective. Buoyancy is, are you able to walk through a punch? Because sales is a world of rejection, as you mentioned. Yeah. And then clarity is, can you tell a story? So can you make something complicated, simple, how well can you tell a story? And if you have those three traits, you will be an excellent salesperson. Um, but I'd love to go through each one of them, Henry, and just kind of click down on them for a few seconds because I'm so passionate about this. I mean, I love these topics. It's great. Well, I want to say that I really appreciate the way you, you, you just restated everything that I stated and you did it with such brevity. Yes. I think that's well, very important, Tim. He, 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 might have, he might have gone through those three bullet points a few times. In his <laughs> a few times in my life. Yes, I have. So, um, but back to attunement, you yeah. know, one of the best ways I've ever heard that explained is that it is the fraternal twin of empathy. Oh, okay. So when we yeah. talk about understanding someone's feelings, being empathy, well, attunement is understanding the way that someone thinks and their perspective. And, I don't know if you read this, Henry, it's in, it's in the book, but it's a great exercise that drives home the point of attunement. And so we've never done this on the podcast, but I actually can have a play along at home exercise. Oh, it's exciting. You like this? Okay. Yeah. So let's do it together. Okay. Let's do it together. So I want you with your dominant hand snap five times. Now, I want you to draw an E on your forehead with your finger. Oh, gosh. An E facing me or Don't you? even think about it. Let's okay. do it. An E. Okay. Do yours again, Josh. Yeah, very interesting here. So, Henry drew an E on his forehead where when he's looking at the E, it reads correctly, but the people looking at him do not. Josh drew an E on his forehead that looks like an E to me, but is backwards to him. Generally speaking, that exercise indicates whether you are first looking at your own perspective or, or if your priority is the other person's perspective. So Henry, you got a little work to do, but that's okay. <laughs> it drives the point home. But it's a really interesting exercise, honestly, because it, it just centers on the idea of, you know, are what we doing for ourselves or what we doing for our audience? And very interesting as, you know, there's been tons of studies about this. As you get more power in life and in your occupation, that E turns towards you much more. It's just the trap we fall into. Is it, So it's all the power in my life that's got me marking my E that way. 
well, I don't really know what your problem is, Henry, because clearly you don't have any power and you're self-centered. So I don't, I can't explain you. You're a one-off, oh, but you know, the exercise I like to think... perfectly because each one of you did it differently. So oh, my God. I'm Henry a masterpiece topic... in progress, guys. Yes, That's you all. are. Yes, you Henry are. will be the topic of our next podcast. Please. You are not, you are not a master of attunement, Josh. Yet. yet. Not yet. Getting not there. yet. Getting I'm getting there. there. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, Hey, you know, I was just going to follow up on, on that, you know, what Tim covered there. And then what you covered, Henry, I, I really connect with the listening piece of that and it being untaught and something that we really have to work towards. And it's funny, I, you know, I've always felt I was a good listener. Um, but I am finding out now that I have not been a good listener and it's just through my own self-evaluation. And it's funny, I think throughout 2020 and just a lot of the things that were happening with the virus and the social unrest and, and you know, just everything that was happening socially, I, I feel like I am just getting to a stage in life where I am, I'm, I know how to listen and, and listen with the intent to understand, right? Cause I was responding before I can, I can genuinely say that I was listening with the intent to respond and, uh, and it really, it really changes perspective. And I think it helps to click down on that attunement piece. If, if you can get to a place where your, your initial intent is to listen. The second point was buoyancy. Uh, and, and I, I talked about that just like, you know, staying afloat with a barrage of rejection and Tim, you talked about it as like walking through a punch uh, yeah, but uh, you know, there's there's more. There's even more to it. Where one of the things Daniel Pink said was, um, it's that there's a part of this uh, a buoyancy that's about explaining your failure. How to how to explain your failure in a positive way. Have you guys have you guys heard that before? Have you, are you familiar with that that conversation topic? Because I think we sort of yeah. touched on it a little bit when we talked about the interview. Uh, we talked about interviewing. In a previous podcast, we talked about that interview response format of example, action, resolution, yeah. and what you learned. And being able to clearly articulate what you learned from a rejection or a failure is, is a key part of this buoyancy conversation uh, yeah. in, in the ABC. Yeah, there's three principles of buoyancy, according to Daniel Pink. And it's kind of a before, during, and after scenario. So before... He talks about an interrogative self-talk, which is interesting because he advises that you stay away from the declaration of, I will nail this presentation, but you rather you ask yourself a question, will I nail this presentation? Yeah, I I love that. Which is really, it's cool because, you know, it actually helps you to kind of think about your strategy and the resources you're going to use to accomplish the task. And then the during is your positivity ratio which I think some of us are really sensitive to being rejected. So it would be like, yeah, we've got to stay positive. But he actually says, don't be too positive. Just, you know, be eyes wide open, optimistic or realistic or however you want to, you know, you want to characterize that. And then the after is the explanatory style, you know, which is, you know, best to understand the reasons behind the rejection and understand that it's a temporary issue. Um, but anybody who's been in sales understands that rejection is part of the game. And I'll, I'll tell you something interesting that I read because I was kind of digging around in this just a little bit. But somewhere along the way, when I was researching this, it said that the most brutal form of sales 
is door-to-door sales, which is old school. <laughs> have either one of you ever done door-to-door sales? I have not. I worked no. with a guy who did yeah. it and the stories were incredible. Yeah, they are. So I will tell you the first, man, this makes me sound like such a dinosaur, but it was a <laughs> long freaking time ago. That's all I have to say. I mean, we're talking about 35 years ago. The first job that I really had was when I was 15 and I, there was a guy that I knew he was probably like 18 or 20, you know, so he was old guy compared to me and he had a bunch of paper routes, newspaper routes, but he was very introverted and he didn't want to sell subscriptions to the paper. He just wanted to deliver the papers. That's all he wanted to do. So he hired me to go door to door in his, on his routes, trying to get new subscribers. So that was my job. I mean, I was walking, he would drop me off in the middle of Waco, Texas, some neighborhood that I didn't know with a money bag and, you know, like a bank bag, money bag. It's old school. Yeah. I'm sure anybody under 30 is like, what the hell is he talking about? You know, <laughs> people still go to the bank. I mean, you know, this whole thing's so dated, but I'm getting to the point here. That taught me more about sales. But for one thing, it taught me that I, that I loved it because it, it was exhilarating to me, but it would be five o'clock. I'd knock on the door. People just got home from work. And I'm not talking about people that work at Dell and Cisco and HP, you know, in their nice golf shirt. And they've been inside all day long. No, these are like people that have been working in non-climate control. You know, they're taking off their blue collar work. You're talking about yeah, blue collar work. Yeah. work. And the last thing they want to do because they're hungry, they haven't eaten dinner yet. The last thing they want to do is answer the door. And man, that experience you get rejected in a very brutal way over and over. <laughs> yeah. And the pain is intense. Oh, and man. then you hit one. It's yeah. like, then, and then you make a sale and you're like, okay, my energy is revitalized. I can go at least another 20 rejections before I'm starting feeling down. Man, it is such a roller coaster and it's amazing, really. Well, you know, there's something about rejection that, it, for some people, they they it, it, they get rejected in a sales call, and they carry that rejection around with them, right? And and they essentially give the next person the opportunity to reject them because they believe that's, that's right. just what they deserve now. Right. And I I, right. I remember it's such a great story, Tim. I remember uh, uh, dealing with a team of of young sellers, and uh, we we were trying to push an initiative that nobody wanted to push because nobody wanted to buy it. It was a service nobody wanted to buy. And so I shaped this whole incentive program around rejection. Who can get the most no's was what I asked for. And the reward was $1 for the most no's each day. And it got to the point where that dollar was the most hotly contested dollar, the most sought after dollar uh, yeah, on the entire sales floor because everybody and and they were come to me and they go, I just got two more no's and they were so proud of themselves. But what happened was because they weren't carrying around that negative energy of the rejection, they were excited. Right. They went into the next call and they started getting yeses. Yeah, they weren't tanking the calls. They, they weren't, weren't doing a bad job with their presentation. Right. They weren't tanking. It was the call. about making the calls and you know knocking on the doors. Right. Um, because the math works out in your favor, you yep. know, generally speaking, if you're a good salesperson, I mean, you know, sales skill is a whole different issue here, but 
we're assuming you're a good salesperson. And if you are, the more people you talk to, the more sales that you make. And to your point, Henry, I've had this conversation with many salespeople. You know, you said, you mentioned, you know, the problem is a lot of salespeople will carry that rejection with them. You see it. It's like, it's like an athlete who gets in a slump because they get more down on themselves and more down on themselves. And each call of, you know, they don't, they let one rejection reject them six times because they carry it to the next cause. And the conversation that I have all the time is, you know, let's talk about what these rejections have in common. And they'll start telling me about the calls and, you know, what was said and, you know, well, how similar are these people that you're talking to? And, you know, how similar was your, you know, was the conversation? And we go through this whole thing. It never occurs to them to say the common denominator is me. And that is the common denominator. Right. The common denominator in all those rejections is the salesperson. And that is what you have to change. That's the variable that needs tweaking is how you're moving into the call. Because if you're moving into it thinking, I've been rejected six times in a row, there's no way I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. no way I'm gonna make anything happen on the sales call, then you're doomed before you even start the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like that that exercise too. Henry of removing the stigma of the rejection um, as a whole, right? Or, or, you know, you made a game out of it or a yeah. competition out of it, because I do think that that helps alleviate the, the pressure of, of it going bad. Right. And it, I mean, it's kind of like um, failure, right? Remove, if you can find a way to remove the stigma from the failure, whether it's taking a chance on something or, you know, trying a new project at work, if you can foster that type of environment, I think you get a lot more innovation and a lot more productivity out of your teams. And so, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I want to make sure it's clear here. We didn't, we weren't suddenly selling more like our rates, our, our close rates didn't go up. It, we still had the exact same amount of rejections as everyone else. The difference was they didn't realize it because they were embracing it rather than letting the sting of it last for so long. And right. they were just focused on having fun. And right. it was a, it was just a, it was a good time. I've, I've run that exact formula multiple times since then. And it works every single time. Yeah. Well, it carries yeah. over into what Tim was saying, right. Where, where they're not carrying that rejection into the consecutive calls and, and really they're, they're failing before they even picked up the phone because they didn't, they didn't hit the reset button on, on that. Yeah. Well, it's an exercise that encourages tenacity and persistence and, you know, I don't know if either one of you have ever heard this, but, you know, once again, I've got a million sales war stories, but one of the quotes that I carry around in my hip pocket all the time is money grows on the tree of persistence. And in the sales world, that is absolutely correct. So something that I thought about when we were preparing for this is in the mid nineties, Dell's stock was, was splitting like crazy. And Dell was really the only technology company in Austin with sales jobs. You know, this is before Austin became the new Silicon Valley. Everybody wanted to work at Dell in the mid nineties. And there was a lot of people walking around Austin who had been through three, four, five interviews with Dell and had been rejected. And Dell was just infamous for being highly selective and turning a lot of people down. And at the time, I thought they just have a limited number of positions and it's just really hard to get on there. And as time has passed, I've wondered if they actually 
maybe had some kind of, I don't know this for sure, but maybe they had some kind of rule that says, hey, if somebody doesn't interview three times, we can't hire them because they wanted to hire people who would embrace rejection and people who would walk out of an interview being rejected and wouldn't say, well, I guess I'm not cut out for this place. Instead, they would say, what do I need to do to improve? How can I better prepare for the next interview? Because those were the characteristics that they were looking for in top-notch salespeople. Now, I just completely fabricated no, that. No, that's I interesting though. Yeah. But I think it's an interesting scenario to consider. Yeah. Well, to take the whole, what we talked about earlier about, you know, saying, instead of saying, I'm the greatest, you say, what makes me great? You know, like re, like changing that around. Right. So if to think about the example you just provided, it's a hypothesis, okay. But if you interviewed somebody and said, yeah, they're great, we hire them. That person says, yeah, I got hired. I got the job. I'm great. Whereas if that person's great and you go, we're not going to hire them. Let's see what happens when we say no. They say no. And that person says, either, I guess I'm not great. Or what do I have to do to get this job? Right. What do I have to do to be good enough? Right. And right. yeah, asking that kind of question forces you to, to categorize or take stock of your qualities and come back and try it again. Absolutely. Face rejection and try it again. Yeah, and by the way, I didn't get hired. Um, when I interviewed. Oh, with was, Dell, you didn't get hired your first with, time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, all my buddies did, like right there oh. on the spot. Handshake. We'll see you. We'll see you in two weeks. I called every single day <laughs> to Beth Mentor, the recruiter. <laughs> Beth. <laughs> Beth Until blast. she finally said, you know what? Just come, just come in. Fine, just come in. Just come in. Interesting. Worked out. Yeah. Paid off for you. Yeah. It's, I, I, I mean, genuinely, I think buoyancy is, uh, buoyancy is one of the keys to longevity. It, it is. I mean, if you, if you're not gonna, what is it? It's not, you know, falling off the horse. It's about getting back on the horse, right? I yeah, mean, if it's not short able, memory, you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're not able to get back up, it's, it's, it's going to make for a long, long life because rejection is going to come for sure. And like you were talking about, Tim's more so in a sales organization or in a sales role. I mean, that's just, that's just such a big part of the equation. And without being able to, to walk through that punch, it's, it's going to be miserable. It really is. So as we're uh, sort of wrapping up the ABCs, we got to spend a little time on clarity specifically. We talked about like being able to deliver a, an impactful message, uh, helping the person you know, find the actual, like, the, like Daniel Pink says, signal in the noise. Um, and and he, he talks about curating that key message. That's, that comes, I think, from understanding what the, you know, understanding the other person's point of view coming from attunement uh, brings you to, brings you to clarity. Uh, this one can be tough though. If, if you haven't followed the, if you haven't followed the first two steps, this one, you can get absolutely lost here. Yeah. I mean, cl clarity I love clarity because clarity is about telling stories and I love to tell stories. Um, but that's a tremendous piece of being a successful salesperson. Are you able to tell a story? I saw something interesting that said something like the most popular Ted talks, 70% of the minutes of the Ted talk are a story. It's what draws people is really when you're able to tell a story and Daniel Pink um, uses the word framing to talk about telling stories that provide clarity. So, you know, he talks about 
you know, specifically, there's five different kinds. It's the less frame, the experience frame, the label frame, the blemished frame, and the potential frame. And, you know, there's two of them that I really like. The experience frame is people get more satisfaction out of experiences than things. So frame the sale in terms of the experience it can provide. Yeah. And the other one that I just love is the potential frame, which means basically you're, you're not thinking about the past and the present, but you're highlighting future potential and things that could be accomplished in the long run. Well, he actually so, runs his experiment on that one, which is really interesting where he, he asked people, uh, you've got a one-year contract. Do you, you give an extension on this one-year contract to your current, you own an NBA team. That's the setup here. You own an NBA team. You've got an NBA player who's played for five years. He's successful. And you've got a one-year that you can add as an extension to his, or you can sign that hot new kid in high school who's crushing it. And if you sign that hot kid, you could potentially get six years or you can get yeah. one year for this other guy. So what do you do? And it says most people want to sign the kid in high school. Yeah. And they yeah, he's and never I, played I, an NBA game. Yeah. We can, we don't have to talk NBA talent to make that real because as hiring leaders, we face this all the time. Yeah. We have an empty spot on our sales team. We interview someone who has 10, 15 years of sales experience. They've done a pretty good job. They know the game. They've probably capped out on their potential. Maybe I shouldn't say probably there's a lot of people that grow after 10 to 15 years in sales, but potentially they could be closer to their cap or you can hire fresh talent that you will teach. And in your mind as a sales leader, you're thinking, I don't even know where their potential is. It's, it's unlimited at this moment. And which direction do you want to go? And I think there's a right place and a right time to hire both of those profiles. But we face this on a daily basis. Really interesting conversation. Yeah, I, 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 the potential thing is, is I'd never thought about it like that until you know listening to Daniel Pink. And it, it really forced me to think about what motivates me. Uh, and, and you mentioned already the experience, uh, selling the experience. And, and to me, that is the most motivating uh, for me personally. And it's the one that I, I think I lean on more when it comes time to, to, to pitch to somebody, to try to help them understand what this, how this is going to change or impact their life and, and sort of paint that picture for them. And yeah. you know, if you've asked all those questions on the front end, you can really do that. You can do that really well. Yeah. And I think that, you know, just to put a bow on the clarity piece of this, it's super important. If you are a salesperson and you want to be an effective salesperson, the part of clarity that you cannot omit <laughs> is providing an off-ramp. So, you know, this is kind of like the close. This is where you say, and this is how we're going to get it done. There's a lot of people that are in the sales game and it's like having somebody read the dictionary to you. You know, like this is great information. Thanks for all this information. Tons of good information but it doesn't really go anywhere. And the right. off ramp is, yep. you know, how do we get this conversation to a piece where this is what we're going to do to move forward? Yeah. Do you agree? How do you make it real? In summary, the most effective salespeople use a persuasion technique that utilizes the new ABCs attunement. How well can you relate to the way that other people think buoyancy? Are you able to handle rejection and walk through a punch? 
and clarity can you tell a good story. And let's not forget, we're all salespeople. Whether we make our living by selling or not, each one of us sells every single day. Good luck out there. So the ABCs of selling are less about closing as an outcome and more about influence as an action. I think we can all agree that that's important, but it's not new. And next week on the KL Podcast, we dig back, way back, to Aristotle as we continue our conversation on influence. We'll see you then. For more KL Podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.